Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Right, hello everyone and welcome to the show. Today our guest is Bobby Stricker, a recent transplant to the Applegate Valley here in Oregon. Bobby is a father, husband, writer, advertising consultant, and magazine publisher of 101 Things to Do magazine that promotes travel and tourism throughout Western, coastal, and Southern Oregon. He's passionate about exploring the variety of people and things to do in Southern Oregon, from home repair fun and homesteading to food, beer, wine, kids' activities, and so much more. Bobby has been in Oregon and the Pacific Northwest since 2014 when he moved from his longtime home of Scottsdale, Arizona. He's interested in aviation, travel, yoga, hiking, food, the oceans, and river adventures, car shows, and festivals of pretty much any kind. As a marketing consultant, he loves meeting people and experiencing how they live their lives, which is all stuff I can completely resonate with, and so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Simona. Yeah. Scottsdale, Arizona to Oregon. Mm. Tell me about that and how, how you made that transition and what instigated a move to Oregon. That was an interesting one. <laughs> I had been working in Scottsdale, grew up in Arizona, so mm. I you know spent high school, got my undergrad there, got my MBA there, uh, mm. you know, just lived my life pretty much in Arizona. I uh, moved around there a little bit, but it was in that Phoenix, Scottsdale metropolitan area pretty much my whole life. And met my wife. Uh, she was in medical school in Tempe, Arizona, and a naturopathic medical school. And I was in a career transition. I had opened up a bike shop. I got my degree in information technology. I had been working in IT, and I moved into kind of the sales aspect of IT, and that was such a interesting transition for me. It was, I was curious how all these salespeople could make all this money and the technology people were doing all the work and it kind of put me in a weird space. So I just stopped doing technology, opened up a, a motorized bicycle shop. So it was customized bikes in the historical district Phoenix. And we were making custom bikes for folks and then putting motors on them if they wanted them. And this was, you know, pre-electric motors. And it was just an interesting play and something to do. My wife came in one day with her bike. She'd come back from Burning Man uh, and had two terrible shaped bikes and was like, hey, I want to go on this art walk tonight. Can you put them together? And I was like, yeah, yes, sure. I definitely can. Uh, I can make something happen. And... You know, that was where we'd met and spent a couple years courting and living in Arizona and Phoenix and, and, and we were festival goers. Mm-hmm. So we'd go, we'd, we'd been to Burn a couple of times. We'd go to Firefly up in Flagstaff and Lucidity Festival. And she won these tickets to Prana Fest and it was in Ashland. Mm. And so we had a two year old. I was, yeah, I was ready to go. Uh, I, I think that it was time to find something and we had met, uh, she did yoga, uh, was a yoga teacher, uh, while she was in med school. 
So it was one of the things we had bonded over and we thought this would be a great experience for us. And we drive up to Ashland and I tell you, I came back a changed man. Uh, it was something that really shifted for me with, uh, it was an integration of breath work and just how you bring that into your regular consciousness. And it was kind of beyond the yoga practice that I had been doing. And it was great. Uh, I, I think I really kind of shifted my perspective of what I was doing mm-hmm. and I got a job, but no, I think at that time I had been working at a cruise company, a tourism company. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, I I was an executive in their marketing department. I was hardcore grinding on that kind of world. And after attending this festival, that was when the shift happened. I no longer wanted to put the face on in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just interesting and different for me. And I think that job and I really separated quickly within a couple of months after attending that festival. And I think for sure it was with my attitude change and my shift. And we were interested in going back to Oregon. So she looked at some internship opportunities up there and we moved up to Battleground, Washington, uh, you know, Southern near Vancouver mm-hmm. via Beaverton. Actually, we'd moved to yeah. Beaverton when the market was going nuts up there and we couldn't get a rental. We couldn't do anything. It was just people were wanting you to put in their application and sight and see. Oh, and, gosh. you know, uh, we just, didn't, we weren't used to that kind of a market. So on our last day of visiting to find a place to move up there, uh, got an application accepted and she started, we moved into Beaverton and she was commuting to battleground and I was a stay at home dad. I'd opened up a consulting business, helping folks find leads. We decided to move up battleground. The lady that the, the doctor that ran that clinic up there, let us move into her place. So it was the two of us, two big dogs, a three-year-old in a studio. Oh my goodness. And did the best we could. It was some of the most trying times uh, from like not working and being the sit-back guy while my wife was working and, you know, being the full-time dad. It was, I needed that transition. It was, again, all part of that little Southern Oregon Ashland festival uh, of just kind of changing my ideal Mm -hmm. of what was, what I wanted to do. So lived there for nine months. Uh, she got an opportunity to open a clinic and run a clinic in Eugene. So she did a little commute back and forth for a couple of months. And we, she said, you know, I really like it down here. Let's check it out. And we moved to Eugene. Lived there for the last six years. And that's six years in Eugene. I, I think that we really fell in love with just all that it had to offer as far as just recreational activities. There's so much hiking and, and activity around there. But what we found is it's still a pretty big city and it still had those trappings of just being a little dirty and there was not really a big focus on cleaning it up, at least where we were living. And it just, it wasn't, didn't want to have what we wanted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and in that I had become the advertising director of the Register Guard newspaper there in Eugene. And that role was a real eye opener for me. Uh, it was in a transition time where the newspaper was moving from private ownership to Gannett, a big corporate entity. The community was really not loving that place, but the publisher and, you know, she had moved from multiple newspapers around the country, really connected with the community in the sense that she always was working on activities to help promote possibility and would connect with any kind of entity, any nonprofit, any group to use the audience that the Register Guard provided to further their mission. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was a really special trait. And I had 
prior to that, worked for the 101 Things to Do magazine. They were looking for somebody to help sell advertising that was in my wheelhouse. So I worked with them for a couple of seasons, then moved to the Register Guard. And right before COVID hit, not knowing, obviously, what the impact <laughs> that was going to be, the publisher of the magazine asked me if I wanted to take ownership of it. So I said yes, and I was like, should I quit this job? I was like, I could do both. There was no way. I mean, even after just my first week of trying to manage both, it wouldn't happen. Went full-time with the magazine. The next week, the pandemic hit, and they locked everything down. We still had a good first successful year. I The second year after the publication, they offered me the Southern Oregon magazine. And I definitely wanted to have the rights to publish there. And I went on this tour. We did a family trip, like three weeks going from Bandon to Klamath, everything coming across. I mean, every city in between there, up to Union Creek, Crater Lake, Mm -hmm. down to Ashland. And we came through Jacksonville. And I just loved how unique that it had its own draw that it has its own character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then taking that road down from with the 238, right? Coming mm-hmm. from Grants Pass. Wow. Uh, that trip just stuck with me. But we were still living in Eugene, so had another couple years there. And we were in the mode to buy a house. And we started looking around Eugene. We wanted to get some land. And just either couldn't find it wasn't affordable or it just wasn't really what we wanted. Mm-hmm. So had this suggestion, let's go check out Grants Pass. You know, we had spent some time down there on G Street and I had been working with some of the, the tourism folks there and really got intimate with that area and really thought it up and coming and just the culture was starting to develop there in a different way. Like I, I straight thought that that was where you stopped to get gas on your way to wherever you're headed. <laughs> so I uh, got a new shift and a new perspective on that. We had done a two-day trip uh, where we thought we were going to see 10 houses and we had seen several around Grants Pass, Pass once in Medford, one in Medford, two in Medford maybe. And we had this one on Jacksonville that was just, it would it required us to stay another night uh, to see it. We just couldn't make it happen. And we went and saw it. And it, the view, it was in the Applegate. So this is just right outside of Jacksonville near Roosh and the view, the area. You know, growing up as an Arizona boy in the desert and my parents were a little bit separatist kind of folks. We always were out and away from things. I wanted that for my boys. You know, I wanted to have something for myself that was that way. I don't, I, I don't mind the drive, you know, I mean, so that, that was a definite saver there, but we found it in the suit. So now I'm six weeks in Southern Oregon. You know, we just moved from Eugene six weeks ago and I, we found our spot. I mean, this is uh, I think, well, my wife's working on opening up a wellness clinic in Jacksonville. Uh, I think that's going to happen before summer starts and the the things are starting to fall in place. So the Southern Oregon move, it's just interesting that we ended here because it was Ashland that got us here. Right. And we're just right next door to Ashland and love to visit. I mean, love us in Ashland. I think that if we, if it wasn't Roosh in Jacksonville, we would have probably been in Ashland. Yeah. I, I love both of those areas so much. I mean, most everybody who's listening to this podcast knows how much I love Applegate Valley in that zone. It's just, yeah, it's just very special. Well, tell me a little bit about 101 Things to Do, because I have seen the magazine. It was one of the first publications I think I picked up that, yeah, intrigued me because it's got so much information about our area. 
what have been some of the things that you've loved working with that magazine or that you, I mean, it's gotten you out to explore. Yeah. Obviously you have to go check these places out. Yeah. It's been unbelievable. I, I tell you, I think I know an area and then you meet somebody or you take a turn or you see a trailhead or you see a sign or somebody tells you, Oh, you don't want to go there. You go two miles up and you're really going to see it. So I have just found that I can only do so much. Uh, There is, I have, I'm learning every day. uh, And I try to just be aware of that. Mm -hmm. I think I look at things through a new lens. It's what would folks want to do? I spend a lot of time on our social media, reading what folks are interested in and reading just anything I can get my hands on to see what folks are interested in and and want to do. So uh, I think that my, what I've learned most, whatever my kids want to do, uh, is what everybody wants to do. You know, I mean, like, so we do, we do a lot of hiking. I think one of the biggest, I've never done a jet boat tour before and Mm -hmm. went out to the rogue jet boat adventure, uh, in central point, Mm -hmm. uh, and did that table rock tour and wow. Table Mesa, right. Mm -hmm. I mean like that whole, the upper and lower, so educational, just a wonderful history lesson through it and uh, super fun. And then we go to Discovery Park. They have concerts there. I mean, like this one is just a, there's no other event like that. Uh, So I really appreciated, you know, having that unique experience. And what fascinates me about Southern Oregon, there is so many geological just changes. You can go a couple miles away and the floor is different. The geology is different. I mean, there is just these little microclimates and little beautiful areas that just tuck in and it's around every turn. Yeah. Amazing. It is, it is amazing. I have not been on that jet boat tour. I've only done the one that goes through, what's the canyon? Hell's Canyon. Hellgate? Hellgate. Yeah. Hellgate. Out of Grand Pass. Yeah. I've been on that one. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's, I avoided it for a long time. So I thought, oh, it's a touristy thing right. and I'm not going to go do the tours. It's like walking the Golden Gate Bridge, if you, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I did recently again after living in San Francisco for many years. And, and we're stunned, years. right? And again, we're, I'm like, I love right. this. Of yes. course, it's great. Um, and of course, the boat ride was amazing. It was wonderful. It was super fun and very educational and beautiful. And I highly recommend it. Highly recommend. So I'm going to have to check out the Table Rock one. We're I have not Taylor Grimes. It. He's mm-hmm. the owner of the business, but also a tour guide. Okay. He just does a phenomenal job. And Taylor Grimes, he owns the, what was the one called there again? Rogue Jet Boat Adventures. Rogue Jet Boat Adventures. Okay. We'll make yeah. sure and put that in the show notes so that people can nice. go check that one out. Yeah. They're fun. I've been to the concerts. Oh, and nice. Those are really fun. Who'd you see? Oh, who did you see? Nope. Um... Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting who it was. This was a last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a, over a year. And they just started that concert series, so you caught it really right at right the beginning. Right at the beginning, That's yeah, awesome. I think so. But yeah, you take the boat out there and you sit and have your beer and in the sunshine and they're on their little deck. It's so cool. And I'd like to do it sometime where I kayak down to it because I know that you can do that and I have a kayak and yeah, and it's that uh, would be a super fun way of going to check it out too. But yeah, that is else on do you get list. to do that? <laughs> exactly. I agree. That is this that is a yeah. unique Southern Oregon experience. Mm-hmm. So I I want to get out and do some rapids. Uh, you know, I don't need any of the the high class ones, you know. I, I need to start out. Uh, I met a fella at Redwood Rides who talked me through uh, some of the experience. Uh-huh. And I want to try it. You know, yeah. I haven't uh, it's certainly a thing that we have here on the road. Oh, and absolutely. I, 
I, I need to speak from that from a real place. Yeah. So that's that's happened this summer for me for sure. I can give you all kinds of advice. In fact, I just interviewed Kyle. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting his last name now. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Arrowhead Adventures. And he is doing uh, rafting trips. Um, that he just bought the company, he and his mm. wife, not too long ago. And they're big outdoors folks. Um, but yeah, and I do... I, the class two section is what I usually tell people. Okay. Galice to Graves Creek is super fun. If you're in a raft... Where do you get on? Find, uh, Galice. Galice. It used to be the Galice Resort, but the resort is no longer there. Unfortunately, it burned down. They had a fire. I don't know if they're going to rebuild. I sure hope so. It's such a wonderful place. But you can still put in a boat there. I don't know if they'll be doing boat rentals, so that's the other part is getting a rental if you don't have one. But it's about a four-hour stretch, and it's class two, so it's pretty easy. If you're in a raft, you're really not going to tip or anything like that. In a kayak, you might. But it's pretty safe and, you know, you're wearing your life jacket and all that. Um, there's also spots in Shady Cove in that area which are pretty mellow yeah. and very easy, especially for people with kids. Yeah. You know, that's the, the thing that's... I think it was going to divide into two. I think there was going to be, you know, a dad and mom trip and then one with the boys too. Yeah. Just, to, you know, to get that feel. The thing that I love about that section of Galice to Graves is that it feels very remote because there's only the one road... On the other side of the river is a hiking trail or a backpacking trail. And so, and then the road doesn't get a ton of traffic. So you're out there and mm. you, I mean, there's eagles and I've seen river otters and, you know, heron. It's beautiful. You feel remote and yet, you know, it's, it's just, you're not that far. It's such an easy thing to do, mm. especially in the summer. I will take off half a day the life of a real estate agent it's nice or anybody who works for themselves yeah. right it's like bust out in the morning get out on the river by 2 p.m and i have an epic afternoon of what feels like wilderness time so yeah, amazing yes definitely get out on the rivers here the i'm looking at you from the lens of this like native american lens of the folks like the indigenous folks that were here mm -hmm. and, and settlers i mean mm -hmm. you know whoever was in this area i think that's part of the jacksonville love i have is that 1800s gold rushing mm -hmm. time that's fascinating to me mm -hmm. uh the chinese again, yeah right chinese i'm on china gulch you know yeah. i mean, like so i i want i'm investigating into that a little bit you know what does that mean what was the role what was happening here Kyle would be a great one to talk to because he actually puts together a trip, a river trip that is very specific around indigenous tribes that were here and looking at it from that lens. So you're mm. actually rafting and getting a little bit of a history as well. Fascinating. It's super cool. Mm. Super cool project that he's doing. So that's something to check out. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Now we've got such a rich history here and, and it's really important, I think, to understand that history. Uh, it's, it is interesting to see that gold rush period. I mean, all of that labor was Chinese labor. And it's so, to me, it's, it's sad that we don't even have that population here anymore. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of amazing history. The Roosh Library is really great about doing some historical talks and things like that. A lot of the libraries and places around here will do things that I think is fantastic to pay attention to that's what the folks here 
that's a, an interesting shift. There's an interest in the history, mm-hmm. the preservation of it, the sharing of knowledge. I, that's, mm-hmm. I think, what was really impacting is just, you know, having the inspection on the home uh, of the house that I just, you know, mm-hmm. here. This guy was asked, said, you know, hey, let me know if you need anything. You know, I, I have heard that from pretty much everybody that I've come in contact with. And there is this interesting commonality, I think, of living in the countryside uh, in general of we're all kind of going through the same thing together. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of have those similar things, whether it's, you know, your well or your septic or just, you know, shaping of your land or having to move rocks or cutting down the drone or, you know, <laughs> tree falls. Your... right. You've got to be aware of it. And it's a, Hey, I I've been here for a while. So let me know if you need anything. And I haven't felt that really since I lived in Arizona. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when we lived out in the, in the desert country side mm-hmm. of Arizona, so it really is welcoming. I, I, I really appreciate feeling that here. And I think sometimes that's a little bit, you find that a little more in the country. I think in part because we do need to rely on each other. You know, if, if a tree falls and it's blocking everybody's driveway or whatever, you know, there's lots of different things that can happen. And it's it's important to know who's directly around you and get that support. And I think that happens a lot more than being in a city even when you're right next to people and on top of people, and in part probably because you're you're on top of people and you're like, oh, I got a lot of neighbors and I don't want to necessarily interact with everybody all the time and I'm in a city and I kind of need some elbow room and space. So you don't make that effort to connect. Whereas here, where we have a little more space, even in our, in town, yeah, you know, in town proper, there's still that elbow room there's still that space so you do connect with your neighbors so right and friendliness here people are friendly and supportive and kind so that's great yeah need that yeah it is well as somebody who's done all 101 things oh every year every year year so now what are you up to like 403 or four that'll be 404 things you've done yeah i you know I get asked that often, you know, mm-hmm. do you do them all or do they change every year? We do change some of them. Some of them are going to remain the same that are, you know, the regional, yeah, you must do this when mm-hmm. you come into town or when you come to the, this region. The cemetery was a new one for me. Mm. You know, I, I never really promoted uh, the one in Jacksonville. Okay. I found a writer, a local writer yeah, here in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Forest Evergreen, great name. Uh, you know, had to have her write yeah. uh, and, you know, wrote a story about you know, I would go see the cemetery and I was like, wow, is that really a point of interest and do a little investigating? And it's certainly, there's a following of cemetery goers, you know, it's just like bridge followers, people that go see bridges, Uh, uh you know, it's like, I'm going to go see these cemeteries and it is certainly a level of interest. Our social media definitely, you know, took up on that too. So I was really fascinated uh, by, again, these are things that I just continue to learn. It's, uh, it's pretty magical. So funny, the only thing I know about Jacksonville Cemetery, because I talked to them, oh gosh, it's been many years now, four, five years ago, asking if they did green burials. And it's something that they are planning to do. They weren't, or they were doing it. I can't remember exactly now. I need to follow up. But Hmm. um, part of the issue with a green burial is that a body sinks. Like when it decomposes, the the grave site sinks, and Hmm. it creates a tripping hazard. So oh. in our litigious society, oh. <laughs> like, can't you just put up a big sign that <laughs> says, watch your ankles? But anyway, they're, 
they were to say like, we're hoping to have that be something in the next five years. And I was like, okay, I'm not planning to die in the next five years, so yeah. I'll call you later. <laughs> they, do they go vertical? So you have less. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what their plan is or if that's still going to be something that's going to be an option, but it was just one of those things that I was personally interested in. And yeah, yeah. I called Jacksonville cemetery because I was just curious. Hey, do you guys offer that? <laughs> Interesting. I never heard of that. Yeah. I, what you don't know, right? Right. Once you're dead, you know, it's like yes, somebody else's problem. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't specify, yeah. everybody else decides, <laughs> which, you know, for better or worse. <laughs> if you have needs in that, you need to make them known. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just actually talking to somebody about that today mm. and we were talking about, you know, just getting your life in order as far as all your documents and your things and making sure you're, mm-hmm. and your family often feels this need or this desire, especially after you're gone, because they want to honor you in the best way possible. And not all funeral homes are work in integrity, but there can be a push towards spend a lot of money in this way. And it might not be the way that you actually want your family to be spending money. Yeah. But it's a tender time. It's a t- very tender time. So the more that you can do that stuff in advance and specify what you want so your family doesn't have to think about it because let's face it they don't want to think about that while they're grieving no that's nobody wants to think about it and i guess because we don't know when it's happening it's just you should get that in order sooner than later exactly (laughs) exactly i know right anyway onto a a better topic but it's it's an important one and i i'm all about and i think the reason that i I researched that is because i was following the topic of death at that time Mm. and it's one that we don't like to talk about but it happens to every single one of us. That's the hundred and second thing you do. That's, That's the hundred and second thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> you can put that at the end. Yeah, you need sure. a funeral yeah, home advertising. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the back page. Yes. <laughs> the hundred and second thing you'll be doing. So... Having done so many things, what have been kind of your top three? And maybe I would love to hear the things that you think that people might not have heard of. Like, I feel like everybody Mm. hears Crater Lake, which, of course, you must do because it's incredible. It's so beautiful and it's very difficult to describe And You see pictures and they're beautiful, but when you're standing on the edge of that crater... But what are some other things that maybe people Mm. aren't as aware of that you're like, oh, this is so cool. I can't believe this is here. I liked Union Creek on the way up to Crater Lake. Mm -hmm. That was a really, it was these log cabins. Uh, It was Union Creek Lodge, I believe it was. It is these old maintained, uh, I think it was a campground uh, at some point. uh, And it's pretty amazing accommodations and they've got wonderful fishing and hiking and just, uh, there's some lava tubes, uh, Mm -hmm. that are all accessible and walkable from there right around that prospect area. Mm -hmm. Really fascinating. Just again, the geology of things and Mm -hmm. it's a little kind of high country. So you're starting to get a little more of the pines and I thought that was pretty special. And I don't remember the route number, but it is that route from basically kind of Grants Pass to Port Orford. And it's like the freeway that, or Gold Beach, and it closes certain times of the year. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's a back road. I mean, it's paved and all. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing drive. It definitely isn't a shortcut, mm-hmm. but it is a different <laughs> way to get from the coast. And I, uh, I'll have to look that up. I don't, I don't remember. Well, we'll look the... it up and, and put it in the okay. show notes so people can find it. It was pretty special. I can't remember what it is either because it's not the 199 that goes out from no. Grants Pass to, uh, yeah, we'll find it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, Hmm. So just a gorgeous drive. And- yeah. I mean, winding, just a great way to get to the coast. Mm. So enjoy that one. That rogue jet boat adventure to me, it was really one of the, I had never done anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just so interesting to be able to, to see it all and then just catch the history lesson. I really enjoyed that one. And I think, uh, you know, the Cantrell Buckley was a special mm-hmm. one for us. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that park. Yeah. Cantrell Buckley is special. And the thing that I love is there's so it's, it's large. You can camp there. You can do private events. They have a, an area that you can rent for gatherings and whatnot. Mm. They have the area down by the river for swimming. It's very accessible for kids. There's like swimming areas that are accessible for kids. Mm. Big, deep swimming pools as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful park. I think a little more on the, I'm thinking like the bougie side or the, the meal mm-hmm. side. There was that winery. Oh. It's in Ashland, I think. And it's not, is it Del Fiore? Um, that one. It is, they have a great restaurant. Like on this patio, they had live music playing. Really kind of elaborate walk up in the, in the, the winery building. Uh-huh. I had a really, I, I mean, it was just pretty special. It was one of the, I just didn't expect it. My wife had, you know, made reservations for us and we took the kids up and it was just a really nice evening. So it's just these, and in general, Ashland, I think walking around, I appreciate more than anything, you know, going to Lithia Park. I, so this year for me, the, the rafting mm-hmm. going to happen. Want to catch some Brit, you know, have yet to catch anything at the Brit Festival. Yes. I've never done anything at, uh, the Shakespeare Festival, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's OSF, Oregon Shakespeare Fair. And OCF, Oregon Country Fair, is what the Eugene, uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and so did that a few times. It's completely different. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but uh, costumes involved. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I keep hearing that. I'm like, OCF. I'm like, oh, people are really into that here. I'm like, no, no. It's OSF. <laughs> yeah, different. So want to experience some of those things. I, I have a lot to do here in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. There is, it's endless. It's, it is absolutely endless opportunities. And then the other thing that I love about the different communities too, is just the little smaller community gatherings and the community things that happen, you know, within your own neighborhoods of your local vineyard, your local, you know, all these places have events and things going on and that to me is such a great way to get to know your neighbors and a, a great way to, to convene with folks. Mm. So that, that is a special, you know, a real topper that brought us to Southern Oregon. It was on that trip, you know, we did that three week tour, you know, just hitting everything from mm-hmm. the coast over COVID was in full effect. We were 4th of July and central point was having a big festival. And we said, okay, you know what, we're going to do it here. We went and sat on the parade and they had the whole main street parade happening like you would have in any small town, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was just all the local organizations rolling through and it was neat to just, we're not a part of that community, but you know, you're sitting on the sidewalk watching this all happen and it was fantastic. And then everybody walks over to the park and they have a big park there, Mm -hmm. live bands, masks off. Like there were like, it was the first time that it felt like 
reality had shifted back Mm -hmm. and people were just so thankful to be gathering Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful to be in the small town. And it was just, we hadn't been able to relate to that. Uh, you know, Eugene was big, uh, and it just, we, and maybe it's us, you know, it it doesn't necessarily, the community, you find your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that we really assimilated more here, uh, and kind of recognized ourselves in the people we were around, uh, and it, it, it made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. The small town community, I think, is, is definitely something that you find obviously more here because we don't have huge cities, but each little town, Rogue River, Central Point, Grants Pass, Medford, like everybody has their events and community festivals and things. And it does, each one still has that certain vibe and its own special feel. Hmm. Yeah. And we're so close to everybody. I mean, yeah. everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have an Medford experience, have an Ashland experience, mm-hmm. have a Rogue River experience, a Central Point experience. I mean, a Grants Pass experience. And like, I, we're, you're right there. So you're going to go 25 minutes, you know, get behind the wheel. I mean, get used to it. Yeah. You're here, you know, yeah. you're going to drive. And there'll be no traffic. That's beauty. So amazing. <laughs> I don't mind driving a half an hour if I get to drive through beautiful countryside and there's no traffic and totally. it's very easy and it's not stressful. Yeah. A deer, you know, yeah, on a deer, occasion, exactly. you know, fine. <laughs> a school bus. A, yeah. <laughs> maybe a tractor. Not very yeah. often, but trailer. Right. Yeah. For sure. No, it's very easy driving. Well, how do people find your magazine? And you also mentioned that you have us, you're on social media. So is that on mm-hmm. Facebook, I'm assuming? And what other yeah. social media are you on and where can people find you? Facebook and Instagram, 101 Things Oregon. So 101 Things Oregon okay. is us or hashtag 101 Things Oregon. And the magazine is distributed far and wide. So we're at pretty much all hotels, motels in any of the areas, mm-hmm. you know, from abandoned to, I mean, the one-on-one thing. So I, I personally publish the Southern Oregon, which is basically Canyonville to Ashland or Crater Lake to Ashland, and then everything all the way across to the Redwoods in Klamath in Crescent mm-hmm. City and, you know, Klamath, California, mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to Bandon on the Oregon coast. That's kind of the Southern Oregon area. And then the Western and Coastal is Astoria to Bandon and Portland to Canyonville. So it's okay. that whole 101 I-5 all the way down the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're pretty much in all hotels, motels, a lot of local restaurants, uh, definitely chambers of commerce, RV parks. You know, it's it's oriented toward tourists mm-hmm. uh, that are staying in local hotels, but a lot of the restaurants and the chambers and visitor centers uh, for locals. Excellent. We need to get it in here at our Rockwell office. I would love to. Yeah, because we get a lot of people coming in from out of town and want to be able to explore the area. That's a big part of it. We added real estate brokers. I mean, it was one of those, it's a great gimme. Mm -hmm. 100%. And it's free, you know, and it's got maps and things to do listed. And we've got a, the Southern Oregon has a specific page for the wineries. So it's got a full wine map that goes mm-hmm. through all of Applegate Valley and all of that area and all of the wineries with varietals and mm-hmm. uh, pretty expensive. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, now you know where to get it, folks. You can find it in lots of places, so that's good. And you can also find it on social media and be looking up things to do. Oh, and 101thingsoregon.com for okay, sure. Okay, perfect. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you. I so appreciate you being here and sharing all this information with us. And I'm excited for you to get out on the river. You're going to love it. And Thanks, hopefully, hopefully your kids love it too and get hooked because 
it's such a fun family thing to do. I've been doing it with my family since my daughter was really small, and it's really, yeah, it's fun. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Uh, well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Emma. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence. 